Welcome to the third of three podcast interviews with the faculty of the educational initiative entitled Stroke Prevention and Atrial Fibrillation, Updated Guidelines and Expanding Treatment Options. These podcasts were produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from Beringer Ingelheim. The content for this podcast was adapted from an interview with Nancy Shapiro, recorded in December 2011 during the 46th ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Exhibition. Dr. Shapiro is a clinical associate professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy. She is also operations manager and clinical pharmacist for the Antithrombosis Clinic in the University of Illinois Outpatient Care Center. Welcome, Dr. Shapiro. Thank you for having me. Why don't we get started by talking about the anticoagulant drugs that have been newly approved for stroke prevention in patients with atrial fib. Which of the approved agents would you recommend for use in patients with atrial fibrillation and renal impairment? Well, dabigatran has the highest reliance on renal elimination at over 80%, followed by rivaroxaban and apixaban, which both utilize hepatic and biliary routes and have a lower percent of renal elimination. Now, if we go back and look at the labeled doses of dabigatran, for patients with creatinine clearances less than 15 to 30, it did get approval for 75 milligrams twice a day. But remember, this was based on pharmacokinetic modeling only, as these patients were excluded from the RELY trial. The new labeled doses of rivaroxaban are 15 milligrams once a day for those patients with a creatinine clearance between 15 to 50 milliliters per minute. Although, again, in Rocket, they did exclude the patients that had a creatinine clearance less than 30 milliliters per minute. Apixaban did study a reduced dose in elderly patients as well as patients that weigh less than 60 kilograms and have a serum creatinine greater than 1.5 milligrams per deciliter, uh, using a 2.5 milligram twice-daily dose. So in patients with severe renal impairment with a creatinine clearance less than 30 mils per minute, at this time I would still recommend using warfarin. The rivaroxaban labeling with the creatinine clearance down to 15 milliliters per minute was surprising considering that these patients were not allowed into the rocket AFib trial. And the dabigatran dose of 75 milligram twice daily surprised everyone. It's important to know what your patient's renal function is before you start treatment with a new agent. What about patients in the dialysis setting? At this time, the safest option is probably warfarin, since all the others are contraindicated in end-stage renal disease. Warfarin can be monitored by the INR, whereas the others do not have a readily available monitoring parameter for use in this setting. How do you see the uptake of rivaroxaban now that the FDA has approved it for prevention of stroke and atrial fibrillation? I think the slow uptake of dabigatran was related to the twice-daily dosing and the packaging restrictions, as well as the increased rate of the GI side effects, such as dyspepsia and GI bleeding, as well as that lack of reversibility agent and the fear of being the first one to use a new anticoagulant. With rivaroxaban as a new option, it has once-daily dosing, which will be important for some patients. It doesn't have the packaging restrictions, so it can be used for patients that rely on medication organizers to help with adherence issues, and it doesn't have the higher rate of dyspepsia although it did have a higher rate of GI bleeding compared to warfarin, as did the 150-milligram dose of dabigatran. The lack of a clear reversibility agent and ability to easily monitor a patient's anticoagulation situation at the time of presentation will still be hard for some patients and providers to overcome. And how do you see the rivaroxaban being incorporated into the new guidelines for stroke prevention and AFib? I think it will be listed on an equal level as dabigatran, serving as an available option to patients. Can you comment about rivaroxaban's labeling warning that discontinuing the drug could increase the risk of stroke? 
Yes. In the rocket AFib trial, it was noted that in patients that stopped rivaroxaban before the study ended and then transitioned to warfarin, that there was a higher rate of stroke in the 30 days after they discontinued use. When all patients were asked to stop the study medication and patients went back to open-label warfarin, the same was also seen, where there was a higher stroke rate immediately after discontinuation, out to 30 days, in the rivaroxaban patients. So this is the reason why the FDA added the warning in the labeling to add another anticoagulant, ideally one with a quick onset, when rivaroxaban needs to be discontinued for reasons other than pathologic bleeding. They're trying to reduce the stroke risk in the immediate transition period, but exactly how to do that is a little less clear. So if you transition to warfarin off a of rivaroxaban, using an injectable such as a low molecular weight heparin or IV unfractionated heparin is recommended rather than just restarting with warfarin alone. So we've talked about the newer anticoagulant agents. Are there other anticoagulants for the prevention of stroke and atrial fib in the pipeline? And if so, how close are these drugs to gaining FDA approval for this indication? Rivaroxaban received approval recently for stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation, and apixaban recently filed a new drug application for stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation with the FDA. And it was notified from the FDA that it will receive a priority review, and it will expect an answer on its approval by the end of March of 2012. It's possible that it could get a superiority labeling over warfarin based on the highly favorable results from the Aristotle trial. We'll have to wait to see how the FDA responds on this matter. If it would get superiority labeling, that would be very important and could change the whole field and the drug selection process. Edoxaban is likely the next in line of the other new agents with data of its large atrial fibrillation trial expected by the end of March of 2012 as well. And the remainder of the other agents are still farther off from approval. Thank you very much, Dr. Shapiro. Thank you. My pleasure being here. This concludes this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Shapiro about new and emerging options for stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation, a web-based continuing pharmacy education activity based on the Mid-Year Symposium will be available in February 2012. To access this activity and other educational opportunities on this topic, visit the web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash prevent stroke.